it is really important that um, we share really honestly where we went wrong, what didn't work, what did work, what we've got now, uh, and how great life is. It is possible to move on from being in active addiction. We're on Instagram, which is the underscore Dynamo Project. I think, are we, what else are we on? Drugs. No. <laughs> are we? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I want that in there. When I took that first drink, I said, this is not going to do to me what it did to my dad. So I went from one thing to the next to the next and rapidly increased using a number of drugs, hopelessly addicted at probably 16 or 17. Drugs and alcohol became our company, so it didn't matter about people as well. So it didn't matter if I had people around me or not, as long as I had substance, then I had company. I started to recognize that I needed to surrender. Hello everyone, welcome to episode four of our Addiction to Recovery podcast. As always, hosted by myself, Kieran, and me, Pete. <laughs> And today we are delighted to be joined by someone known very personally to myself and Pete. I was joined today by, with Kev. Kev, how are we? Are you okay? Very well, thank you. <laughs> Happy to be here. And how, how do you feel about coming on doing a podcast? Uh, this is my first podcast. Ever? So I'll tell you when we're done. Yeah, I've never done a podcast before. So. Okay. So as the title says, it's addiction to recovery. So we're going to talk about, um, obviously, your past, your history. We're also going to talk about your time in recovery, um, where life is for you now, and where you see your life progressing to. All right. So, Great. with every podcast, Kev, we always start with a question that was left by the previous guest. Okay. So we had who was it last time, Pete? Lewis. Yeah. We Lewis, had Lewis yeah. on last time. So at the end of the podcast, we'll also ask you a question to leave for the guest who's going to follow you next week. Okay. Yeah. So the question Lewis left for you was as follows. It says, what was the point when you knew you had to surrender and ask for help? I come to, a, to, to addiction uh, from a connection with my family. So um, my family has a history of addiction. And I was probably addicted the first time I tasted alcohol. And it progressed rapidly at the pace that it does with most people that are addicted. So I went from one thing to the next to the next and rapidly uh, increased using a number of drugs, hopelessly addicted at probably 16 or 17. My life in addiction was a series of coming to that point where I would ask to surrender. So when we become addicted, I think we quickly recognize that the disease that we have is beyond our control. And that happened with me. And there's a series of events that happen with people that are addicted. As you both know, uh, arrests, uh, kicked out of school, thrown in jail, uh, you, you know, this whole series of things that happen to people that are addicted. We isolate, we tend to get rid of all of the people around us that are healthy. 
So all these things happened. And during that time, I started to recognize that I needed to surrender. And early in my addiction, I would wake up and pray every day. I would pray that I wouldn't continue doing what I was doing. And so in that sense, surrender was with me for probably 25 years in addiction that I was in such a poor state that I knew I needed to do something different. So uh, the, the question is like, it's not one that you can give like a specific answer for. It's going to be like a myself personally, I don't know, I'm not sure if Pete would relate, but it's a series of reaching points where you surrender, isn't it? And I think then, it is, Karen. Yeah, yeah I think it one, is. It's not just one point. Uh, I, I think it is. I think in addiction, don't we reach the point of hopelessness? For me, I had to go, it seemed to be a process that after it happened, a lot of people who were watching it unfold sort of said to me, we were waiting for you to get to this point, especially people who are in recovery already. So people who have been down this road before, when they met me, they 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 could see that I wasn't ready, but still kept me around. These are people in recovery, not people who I was using with. I was in recovery a couple of years before I got clean. And then when I when I did get clean, the people around me said we were waiting for it, for it, for you. You had to have had enough. You had to have lost this. You had to go through this pain, but it was it was for you to lose. So they were just supporting me. And then it finally got to the point where I just had enough and I gave up. And I thought, right, I can't take any more. That's it. Now I'm gonna real really try and, and apply everything that you've you know, all the people in recovery have been suggesting that I do. And uh from from that day I started to apply it all and I never used it again. That that was my that was my experience with recovery. I had to go through stuff that others went through. I hadn't gone through enough pain yet. I hadn't lost enough yet. I hadn't whatever the process may be, it was you know, it was different but similar to other people. But from people um who were around me, outsiders who were looking in, who were trying to sort of guide me, they said to me, We could see you you, you hadn't surrendered to, to the to any kind of program you hadn't you hadn't had enough yet but when i had had enough uh, i was with a another guy was sponsoring me and he was like this is the only fight you're gonna have to surrender to win and i was like that makes no sense to me that makes no sense you want me to give up to win a fight that makes no sense so then we went through it all and i, I had to literally just say look i'll just throw the towel in on this my way doesn't work so let's try it this way, this way that's been proving itself in, in the lives of millions over the last nearly 100 years. Um, so I tried that way. Mm. <laughs> I finally said, let's try your way. And that word there, surrender, I, mean, mm. I like that. That's probably the worst word to say to an addict, surrender. Yeah, yeah. What do you mean surrender? Because we like things our way, don't we? Well, and yet one of the tenets of addiction itself is to surrender. And I was mm. unable... One of the uh, the things about addiction is when I use mind or mood altering substances, I quickly become unable to do anything but surrender to it. Yeah. And so, yeah, you're right. We say, whoa, surrender, give up. What do you mean? Throw in the towel. Yeah. And you say that to most addicts and they say, no, I've been fighting the good fight. I get up every day and I try. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I'm stubborn. Most of us are stubborn. Yep. I rarely come across anyone who is more stubborn than myself. 
maybe outward they seem it, but inside my head, I'm real stubborn. So for someone to say, you need to do this, you need to give up, you need to, in my head, it was give up, surrender, I'm stubborn. So I had to go through more, more pain, more loss, not, not just pain inward. I had to deliver more pain outward to people and see the pain in their faces. Mm. And, and people think that it's you surrender once. No. You have to <laughs> surrender yes. daily. Yeah. Sometimes yes. you have to surrender every hour, yeah. every minute. Well, we get stubborn again. <laughs> we get stubborn again. And then we get back, the old habits seep in. Then the pain comes with it. That's where the program of, mm. uh, of recovery comes in. That's where these these programs and these steps that we learn to to maintain sobriety i still use them today but in today's re recovery we, we we try to say you don't have to lose everything to to get recovery and that's something that that that, that i've seen over the years that i've been in recovery they talk about raising the bottom now and you say at what point was i beat i was beat when i had lost almost everything and um I ended up on the floor in a rehab facility crying. And um, gosh, that was December 28, 2006. And so from that moment on, I found surrender. I accepted it. And what Pete talked about, I then asked for help. Hmm. So Kev, as we... We can tell by your accent you're not local to this to yeah. this area yeah so tell us a bit about you know where you're from about your upbringing how, how kev was in the younger days so my family uh, if we're talking about addiction my family's a big family and my mom and dad loved us kids my dad's an alcoholic and his dad was an alcoholic and so addiction runs runs in in my family my upbringing um being raised with a person that, that was addicted, that my dad was an alcoholic, was full of anger and frustration. Uh, it was not an easy place to be as, as young kids living with somebody that's addicted and actively using. Not, a, not an easy place to be. I became distant as a child, very common for the story of addiction. When I found drugs and alcohol, I, I thought I'd found something that I was missing. Uh, because I, I had a fairly unhappy early childhood with my dad drinking. And so very early on when I, when I started using, I thought, oh my gosh, common story in addiction. I was like, oh, I found it. Now I can be part of a group. Now I can, I can feel okay within myself. Um, and that started off a, a 35 year run of, of, of addiction. Where, where, where were you so born? in Northern California. Northern so California. one of the places, uh, uh, one of the most beautiful places in the world. And at that time, also full of drugs and, and alcohol. So my dad also owned a bar. He was a Navy man. He owned a bar. And so, um, yeah, the, the, the place I grew up with was, was full of uh, uh, drugs and alcohol called the Emerald Triangle. When, so, you, when you were real, really young, when you were a young boy, and you were around alcohol, yeah? You saw people drinking alcohol. Uh, what were your thoughts on it when you saw people drinking? Did you want to do what they what they were doing? No. In fact, the first drink that I ever took by myself, I swore that I wouldn't be like my dad. I remember it. <laughs> yeah. 
because I was so angry at my dad because he was angry all the time and he was hurting our family. And uh, I didn't, didn't at all. Um, I was estranged from my dad for that period of my life. And when I took that first drink, I said, this is not going to do to me what it did to my dad. Do, do you have a, a, a positive male role model in your life? I do. It would be my dad. Uh, yeah, yeah, when yeah. you were little, was it not so much? Um, no, not so much. No, I was pretty much left alone. Yeah. You know, like many children of addicts, you know, we were, I was pretty much left alone. Yeah. yeah. You feel isolated growing up? Um, I did inside, yeah. yes. Yeah, I felt different. As yeah. many, many kids with a, that come from addictive backgrounds, I, I felt different until I found drugs and alcohol. I yeah. sometimes felt lonely. Um, when I was with a lot of people, yeah. feel lonely in the group of people. Yeah, uh, it's probably all in my head, but I'd isolate myself and stuff. Drugs and alcohol became our company, so it didn't matter about people after a while. So it didn't matter if I had people around me or not, as long as I had substance, then I had company. Yeah, eventually that was my company. And when I parted ways, it was just a couple of years ago. I had some kind of it was like a feeling of grieving for my using and the drugs. And it was like I'd had this company for pretty much most of my life from a little boy. And we had good times, bad times, real shit times, you know, real high times. And then it was gone. It's, just, it's similar to losing someone you've done a lot with. And it was a feeling, it's a really strange feeling. I was just going through it. Someone, Someone actually in a meeting described it as they were grieving for their using, and I thought, wow, that's similar to how I feel. And uh, it was really strange. It, it, was, uh, it was necessary for that to happen. But I remember having that feeling. It was just like, it wasn't a feeling of, I want to go and use again, but it was a feeling of, I miss, I miss it. But it was it's hard to explain. Unless you, so felt you can't it. live with them, you couldn't live without them. Mm. Uh, similar. Mm. Yeah. You know, yeah. that was explained to me in, in this way. So I had this a similar thing when I, yeah. when I first quit using was in early recovery. I was with with my counselor. His name is Ray. Lovely man. I'm like, Ray, is this all there is to this? And Ray said, Kevin, you're going to ask yourself this question. If this is as good as it gets, what are you going to do? And he used to hammer that in, into me. He said, if this is as good as it gets, he said, your relationship with drugs and alcohol was the longest relationship that I'd ever had, bar my mother. It was longer than any other relationship that I had, 35 years. More consistent as well. More consistent. Yeah. And Ray went on to say, you know, this is like your God. It's been your partner. It's been your God. And it truly was what I depended on, what I thought I depended on. And that's the, that's the thing about drugs. It's what I thought I depended on. Yeah, it wasn't reality. It was your reality. perception of no, it, it was. Wasn't wasn't reality. No, no, no. In recovery, um, you know, I I I I live a thousand times, a hundred thousand times better. Have you ever, um, you know, like because me, you, you've said them words to me before, and we've spoke about it. By this guy saying to you, "If this is as good as it gets, are you okay with that?" Have you ever have you ever been in a state of mind where I thought and this is you know in recovery where you thought. I'm not happy with this. If this is all it is, if this is not enough. I want, you know, sometimes you get these thoughts where I'm going to go and do this again. I'm going to go and do that again and see if the outcome is different. See if I enjoy it. I know they're just thoughts, but do you ever get that? Sure. And, and I would say 
when I came into recovery, my strength in recovery was built on a 12-step recovery program. Lots of help. I was in a rehab facility. Don't have to have a rehab facility to get to get clean and sober. Uh, that program and continued contact with that program has to this point, Pete, every single time that, that I've asked that question, been it's not strong enough for me to go back doing mm. what I was doing. And for me, I, I know that when I surrendered, we go back to this word, when I surrendered, that I came on the other side of addiction. And I know that if I were to go and put a mood or mind-altering substance in my body today, that it wouldn't take but a few moments, minutes, or hours for me to return, not where I was as an addict, but we return far worse. Mm. And so that, that thought of, of what's on the other side, if I pick up and use drugs again, has I've, it's always been clear to me. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever I've spoke to people who have had years and years clean, then they have relapsed and gone back to drugs. They have said to me, it's like they had no time off and now it's worse because they have all these responsibilities that they've accumulated over these years. Mm -hmm. They have all the knowledge of recovery mm -hmm. and then they use and it's just, it's just worse. It's just so much worse. They can't turn their head off. They have all these thoughts. They have all these responsibilities. The pain's worse. It's different. The, the, the dream of it'll be, uh, you know, I'll get some form of escapism or maybe it'll, It'll give me a break from life. It, none of that happens. It just goes bad pretty, real quick. Relapse is part is part part of this process, and it doesn't mean that I couldn't relapse tomorrow. People say, mm. "Am I ever going to pick up and use drugs again?" I, I say, "Probably not today." Mm. You know, and if I do That's the things that saying. I've done to this point, I have a really good family and love and mm. a, a good programmer. I mean, I know I could call you and say, "Hey, Karen." I, I'm in a rough spot here mm -hmm. and I know that you would come and help me. And, and, and Pete, I know that's for lots of people. I mean, I know you could call a hundred people, probably a hundred people and say, Hey, could you come and help me? Yeah. And they'd say, yeah, absolutely. I'll come in. And so I think that's the, that's the, that's the hope of what, what we live and what this, this, this community of recovery is about mm. is that, yeah, I'm going to get those points. And I still do. Today, I look at it like a little gremlin, you know, a little fucker will sit up there and he'll go, hey, it sounds like a great idea. That's, you know, that's 30 year old Scotch whiskey. You know, why don't we have some of that? You know, and I kind of look at it like a little gremlin today and I'll be like, yeah, I'm not doing that, you know. And so um, we normally say devil. Yeah, a little guy right there. Yeah, I get it, though. I get what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a gremlin saying bad stuff. What's what's your analogy of the other way around? The whole rest of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The rest of camp. Is there. Yeah. Yeah, and occasionally he'll say, "Hey, wow, does that? <laughs> you know, yeah. that you, looks good, smells good." But you know, you do that sometimes. That whatever that is, like everyone has different analogies. But what there is something there, and there, and sometimes it will say, "I wonder what it'd be like if you smoked that." Or <laughs> what what would it be like? Exactly. You yeah, talk yeah. two of them. I wonder. Yeah, he looks yeah. like he's flying. I wonder what it'd feel like if I did that. Of course, yeah, yeah, we, yeah. Of course, we don't do it, but we think it. I, I think you know. I, I, I'm in this sobriety long enough to know that 
that's probably just part of my personality. You know, mm. some of that can be addictive thinking, but some of it can also be, you know, if, you know, if, if I could say, Hey, do you, do you think you'd want to try that? Cause it looks like it's fun. Probably your personality would be like, yeah, I'd like to give that a try, you know? And I think so today, some of it, I, I've been at this a while. Some of it might be addictive personality. If I, if I, if I then, really thought about it and started to do the addictive behaviors about it, then I would go, okay, the obsession about the obs exactly, yeah, Karen. Yeah. yeah. Those things that we would say would be addictive behaviors, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You that think, would be the flags that we look out for. I think. You think some of them are just human traits? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. You, you want to go faster on your motorcycle, huh? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah I listened sure. to a guy named Cher once. I'll explain it to you in peace. He said, he said, if you offer someone broccoli or a Big Mac, whether you're an addict or not, they're most likely to go for the Big Mac and forget what's good. Because that's how we use that. Sure. That, that was, you know, yours is a gremlin. Sure, sure. His might be, his was the yeah, Big yeah. Mac and broccoli on each thing. He said less people would probably go for the broccoli than the Big Mac. Sure. You know, what I know about addiction is this. If we go into an addiction meeting, I would say it's remarkable how similar the stories are. And, and if anybody's there that has never been to an, addi an addiction recovery meeting and you go to your first meeting, it is likely that you're going to say halfway through, you're going to say, did, did my family speak to you? How many times do we hear that? Did my, did my wife tell you to come and say this because you're talking about exactly what happened to me? It's yeah. so common. It's dirt. My first meeting, I heard someone talk about, I won't go into specifics about daughter sure and um i i thought my dad my sure. mom somehow engineered that situation sure. absolutely i've heard a few people say they think it's a cast of people <laughs> yeah, that are yeah. Set there. followed up by we think you're a cult which yeah. is common and you go no no really there's but but anyway yeah religious cult yeah yeah, yeah. we get that I've a lot it. yeah we, we, it we get that a lot because there's no way that all you people could be talking about my story without it being yeah. something that but no, in fact, what, what I hear over and over again is that the story of addiction, addiction is a disease. And so that disease progresses just like it does in almost everybody the same. Okay. To people out there who suffer addiction, what do you, when we say addiction is a disease, I found that word in very difficult. So someone said that, just yes. break it down like you're at disease with stuff. But yes. The more time I've spent in the recovery world, I do actually view it as a disease. Oh, yes, absolutely. So what happens when I take mind or mood altering substances is a chemical reaction in my brain and it breaks down any self will I have. And rather than a normal person say, gosh, Kev, you know, you just drank a half a bottle of vodka and you're about ready to start puking. You know, you probably drank way too much. Just go home. No, my brain says, oh, we're just getting started. Yeah. And so that chemical reaction in me is not a chemical reaction that occurs in somebody that isn't an addict. It sets us apart. One of the other things, there's a whole series of things that you could, you could go on any of the websites and find this list of things that you could sort of diagnose your, yourself. People like us, we could probably see an addict coming from down the block or yeah, guess, yeah. Hey, you know what? This person probably has the disease of addiction. Yeah. So when, when, when we look at, at addiction, it is a disease and it progresses almost, almost identical in, in, in everybody that has it. Unfortunately, it's, it, they described the, the disease of addiction as incurable and fatal without treatment.
I fully agree with that. Yeah. Would you say that, Dimitri? Yeah, it is true. We see it all the time, don't we? But, um, one, well, you guys were telling me it's one person every two weeks here in Coventry loses their life from addiction. I don't know if that's... Is, is, that, is, is that what... That number was being, was being talked around. One, one, one person every two weeks is losing it their life be. to addiction here in Coventry. It could be. We, the other month, there was like three people that we knew personally that lost their lives. And then there was four from another organization that other people knew personally. So the numbers could go up and down. But we, we, between us, I'm sure we know quite a few people. I spoke to somebody today, a good good friend of mine, and he'd said his best friend died of alcohol uh, poisoning. He was 42 years old. I, I told my friend that I would mention him today and that he would be within my, my thoughts and prayers because that's a, that's a, that was a reminder to me. Mm. Yeah. It is. Do you remember, because we were talking about, um, you know, you see people think that when they go to these recovery meetings that, that they were put on for their by their families and it was, it was a bit of a setup, but it's not. Do you remember um, the first things you identified with people saying when you were in your first recovery meeting? I know it would be a while ago, but do you remember hearing anything and thinking, wow, that's me? Or do you remember hearing everything and going, I think like that. I feel like that. I feel like almost everybody mm. in the rooms of recovery. And when when we enter those rooms, we say, look for the similarities and not the differences. Mm. And so, Pete, that was told to me early on. And so yeah, yeah. there are similarities in my journey of addiction. I can, I, there's something about, about this disease that kind of run, runs along in the same track. All I could see when I first went to meetings was the differences. Mm. Even if a woman spoke that my, my, it was up, my guard was up because that's a woman or someone spoke about uh, crack and heroin. Mm. My guard was up because I, I thought I was better than them. And now? Now I don't even hear them words. I just, what, what I could always relate to if people were talking about crack, heroin or what the substance would be, the aftermath was always the same how I felt after I took my drug of mm. choice. And that's what I concentrate on that, how it made us feel. The substance is somewhat irrelevant, if that's all right to say. It's, yes, it's, yeah, it's absolutely. How it makes us feel. Yeah, absolutely. I think that I think that if this podcast goes out and, and somebody with, with gambling addiction were mm. to see this, you know, the, these kinds of things, this addiction, if you have the disease of addiction, I think we're talking the same, the same language. Uh, and when I first went to meetings and I managed to put the drugs down, the same things kept happening in my life. And I, then I said to grasp that maybe the issue isn't cocaine for me. Yeah. Maybe the issue is Kira. Inside job. Yeah, and that's a very difficult pill to swallow, pardon the pun. Yes. But until you do the work on yourself, you're not probably not going to see progress. Yeah, yeah. Many of us say that the drugs that and alcohol that we were taking was a symptom. Did you say that's true, Pete? Yeah, yeah. Was it a symptom yeah. or a... Yeah. It, before I'd come into recovery, my belief was the only thing I need to do in my life is stop using drugs mm -hmm. and everything will be fine. My life will be normal and I'll just, I'll just go on like everyone else has, the natural order of life. I'll, I'll have a family and I'll have a house and I'll have a job. I, that was my belief before I come into recovery. Yeah. Then I come into recovery and it's my using slowed down 
uh, I grew up a little bit. It's, mine was a long process. Um, you, you say in meetings, when you're in your first meetings, Kieran, that you heard differences. I never heard anything. I, I was only interested in what I was saying. I was yeah. so self-obsessed that if anyone spoke, I would just be thinking, you need to hurry up because it's my turn to speak. <laughs> then I would speak, then I would fall asleep <laughs> because I was fucking high or I was, I was, I was that wasted. I'd be, you know, if I got to speak fine, then I'd be, I'd be gone. I don't remember what anyone said. Really. I couldn't wait to say Kieran addict. So it was yeah. my time. And now I'm, I've gone the other way. So yeah, why yeah. I? It's weird. yeah. But then I come into recovery uh, and, then I, and then finally I stopped taking drugs and then life went on. I felt really good for a, for a, for an amount of time. And then I realized it dawned on me that I still have all the same issues without the drugs, if anything worse, because yeah. now I have to feel them and I can't do things without consequence because okay. the consequences, I have to feel the guilt. I have to feel the shame. So it dawned on me that I had issues. The drugs weren't even, you know, that. And how do you feel when you didn't have the drugs to blame no more? I felt everything. It's a wake yeah. up call. Yeah, yeah. I felt everything every day for every minute. And it was all, I felt a wave of 20 years of emotion being dammed up that just poured over me. And I can see why people relapse early because when all them feelings and thoughts and guilts and I should have done this, a lot of mine was not what I did, more so of what I didn't do. And how did you get over that early part? Connection with human connection was the main, yeah. was the main thing. Karen, how did you get over it? Probably the same. The same. Yeah, the, the human I, connection, how I we? would reluctantly admit that at the time. Yeah. I would slag the meetings off to the hill, but you would still find me on night after night. So I missed another. I needed one. I needed one on one connection with a, at, at the time it was a, I had a, um, a sponsor at the time and I, I created this massive support network. If anyone in it, because I knew I needed it, I was, I was desperate to, 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 to stay clean at this point. So if I was in a meeting and I heard a, a guy talk, one tiny bit of sense, I'd get his number. Mm. And I'd just ping him a message in the morning. At mm. one point I was sending like 60 messages out before work in the morning, just so yeah. I, I just thought I need to get this. I've been coming to these meetings and I've been trying to do this for years. I need to really go for it. So I just went for it. Gosh, yes. But the human connection for me was if I didn't have that guy to ring up and say, Wow, I'm feeling like this. Wow, my head's gonna fall off. Wow, what do you think to this idea? And he was like, "That is fucking weird," mm. or whatever it may be. If I didn't have that, then I'd just used because it was too much. The isolation feeds our addictions. So yeah, we have to do the opposite in order to move away from it, and that is connection. connection yeah. One one of the things about uh, uh, addiction that continues to fascinate me is that in in my world, we all kind of travel the same disease. We, it takes us to the same place. It either kills us or we get better. When, when I do drugs and, and drink, everybody that loves me gets sick. That's a truth because mm. I, I don't, I don't know what the truth is. I, I don't know what reality is. And the other thing that happens is I stop growing emotionally. And so all those decades that I was in, I was a, a using addict, I, I had stopped in time emotionally growing. And so in early recovery, the, the program of recovery said something to me that uh, to this day amazes me. And that is, Kevin, we will love you until you can love yourself. Mm. And I didn't know what that meant because I didn't know how to love myself. I heard that. I mean, uh, I didn't no, know. And I, what does that mean? I don't know, but I didn't like it. Yeah. I understand what mm. it means now. But at the time, I could 
And Come now on. in recovery meetings, we say the, the newcomer is the most important person that will come and sit in a meeting with us is the yeah. newcomer for many reasons yes for them yeah for them to this is my opinion is for them to to come into a meeting to be new so we can you know swarm around them and help fix them sometimes and this was said to me before i come back from a relapse and i've been using for a year and i come into a meeting and i was wrote off i was just sick I was so ill and a guy said to me and I, he's, he's still going now. And he said, um, thanks for coming tonight. Your pain has been a gift to me. Mm. I'm never going to use again. We were and reminded at, at the time I thought, wow, but I get it now. Yeah. I kept, I kept him clean. He saw me come in in agony and he knew that all his weird thoughts about using were, yeah. were bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. And he just said, look, I'm not being, this is not a joke, but thanks for coming. What a dose of yeah, honesty yeah. and love. But I get it now because yeah. I see people come in and I go, oh, them ideas I had, I'm not going to do them. Mm. I see the agony walk in the room, not even in, in the rooms recovery, in the street. Mm. I see people and I just think, mm. yeah, that's not, I don't really fancy that anymore. That, you know, I don't fancy that. Mm. It's not for me anymore. I like what I do. I like my routine. I understand what that meant today. Mm. And we will, and I tell that to people, we, we will love you until you can love yourself. Mm. It's me a lot. And, and that yeah. means this this journey that takes space and time and mm. and it takes application it takes it it, it it takes coming to meetings it takes it takes be willingness uh, what are the four things that that are suggested in, that we recommend to every person in recovery those four things 90 meetings in 90 days we recommend you do that as many meetings as you can mm. and some people one guy that we know in our meetings has did that four times in a row yeah, yeah. 90 meetings in 90 days four <laughs> times in a row he said i figured i just needed a bit more which i find is 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 that's that's good discipline uh, i did 90 and 90 yeah and then i relapsed afterwards yep. and you yep. couldn't get me back to the rooms quick enough to tell you all that that's a load of shit. yes <laughs> yes but, but the second time but i was 90 days clean yes at the time yeah so. yeah yeah kept you alive for them 90 days <laughs> yeah i i realized from my own experience that people like for you to say them words, let, let us love you until you can love yourself and stuff. It makes people uneasy. Yeah, makes people uneasy. Yep. Because a lot of people come into recovery, they they don't understand how to love anyone, how to be loved. Yeah, it took me a long time yeah. for me to meeting my daughter. That I, I learned what love was. Meeting my little girl, and then getting to know her as a little human. That to me, that's how I, I learned what what true love was in sobriety yeah oh yeah in sobriety, in sobriety. Yeah. she's never yeah. seen me drunk yeah she's, she's never yep. seen yep. me yep. wasted and, and that's yep. nothing that's just yep. that's just how it was right so for me and i've spoke to you about it before i was like i mean when i was little there was love there was love available but i don't think i was in a, in the right headspace to accept it i just think from from when i was small i don't know if i was just genetically made that way i don't know but i just weren't accepting it i was just out there my head was always in the clouds i was doing this that and the other but when i had my little girl and then i then i got to know this little person that's when i thought oh i know what love is now i get this i get all this what people have been writing songs about for hundreds of years what people have been telling their partners what people have been writing making films about i get it now before i just thought wow there's a lot of stuff involved in love in the world what's it all about and then this person comes along and teaches me and she's only like hours born and she's just taught me the biggest lesson of all yeah that was my experience 
and in a in a clean, healthy space. Yeah, yeah. That you could that you could accept that. And, yeah, yeah. And and something know switched. that it was true. Yeah, something happened yeah. in my mind, and I was I was able to accept it for the first time, and it was just like, wow. Now you have this in your life. You know, it was all worth it. Whatever's gone on, it was all mm. worth it because it got me to that that point and all, all the all the real awful things i've did and, and whatever's happened to me i don't care because it got me to it got me to that time in my life where i met this little girl mm-hmm. that was my experience and, and if you hadn't gone through all that pain in your life chances are that you wouldn't be a dad now yeah it's and not that, how things work out in it them chain of events were <laughs> yeah. all worth it all the all the pain was worth it all the whatever whatever i don't know whatever happened Whatever I put out, whatever I received, it was worth it. I'd do it all again exactly the same. Because you're here. Yeah. Today. I'm here. She's here. We're, yeah. you know, I've got some good stuff to live for. Yeah. So we have a laugh, don't we? We have a life ain't that bad. Oh, it's, life is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, life's good. We, yeah. We go sailing on boats. And I mean, stuff. You know, yeah, we're doing, we're doing fine. Yeah. It comes yeah. all for a Com- laugh, isn't it? Compared, yeah, yeah. compared to how it was. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Another thing that they told me when I was new to recovery was, if you apply yourself, we have never seen anybody fail that has fully applied mm. the program of recovery in a rigorous, keyword, honest way. And what these chaps and people told me then was, if you don't succeed, it's likely a problem with honesty somewhere. Mm. You know, this drift back because, you know, I, I quit so many times and rehab, rehab, rehab and all those things. And then somewhere I would drift away from the honesty that I mm. found in being sober, that surrender. You know, I took back control. You say surrender. I say, yeah, many people struggle in recovery because they take back control mm. and, and me as well. So that again, reapplying myself to surrender, surrender. But what they also told me was they said, your life will be many times greater than you mm. ever imagined yeah and as an addict i'm like no way i'm a loser i'm a drug addict i've been you know i'm a drunk i have nothing you know i'm i'm twice all these things that happened it was all bad but they said no if you apply yourself this 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 way of living this clean honest way of living has many many benefits i heard that as well and i just read that i read it as i just applied myself when it suits me yeah. Oh, it's a lesson, isn't it? But it has to be. Yeah, Even today, I I step up and yeah, I'll take things. I'll take control now. I'm driving. I see. I see people in recovery, and they um, yeah, they they apply a lot of recovery, and this is my own experience as well. And I only see it because I've done it. So I spot it because I've got it. Not so much now, but I've had it and I've done it and it didn't end well. But I see people, they say, right, you know, I'm doing this and I'm doing these meetings and I'm doing my step work. Then their behaviors start to be impure. Then they justify it. Then their behaviors slip and they start doing this. They know they shouldn't be doing it, but they justify it. So these justifications that we we stand by, our stubbornness stands by them. Because mine would, I'm going to do that to this person because they did it to me before. So I'm going to carry on doing that. And that's, you know, that sounds like a them problem. And before you know it, mm. it comes back and bites you on the ass. But yeah. I'm still doing all my programs, so it's okay. Yeah, I'm hanging out with yeah, the people yeah. I used to hang yeah, out I'm still with, but I'm okay. I just ain't telling them everything. Yeah. I've stopped by my my, my dealer's <laughs> yeah, house, but yeah. but beyond that, I, you know, yeah. I'm fine. And that's kind of how it starts, isn't it? It can start that way. I mean, it starts Justifications and uh, putting people in the grave. 
and you dis distance yourself mm. from this from this found way of living these simple rules um yep yeah it can be can be can be can be trouble we just gotta watch out for them that's why having a sponsor having it people around you that have that have their intentions for you are pure they might point out to you what you what you do in there you know if you have no guidance at all even if you were years down the line you started doing things you shouldn't be no one's there to say you sure you should be doing that you sure that'd be good for you you may fuck up yeah yeah for many years i was astonished that you can you could follow me wherever mm. and i'm not doing anything yeah when nobody's looking i found the ability to do the right thing yeah and i'd never done that before i was always you know go, uh, hiding from people and you know yeah. doing stuff when nobody was looking mm. and then in this way of life when nobody's looking you could come and peer over yeah. my shoulder or, you know whatever I might do an embarrassing thing or two, but you know, I, when nobody's looking, I, I learned how to do the right thing. And they say that's a really important aspect of recovery, isn't it? To Very do the difficult. right thing when, even when no one's looking. Even when yeah. no one's looking, yes. I was very good at doing the right thing when the eyes are wrong. Oh, gosh, yeah. To, yeah, look, yeah. to look good. I, I had a, I always, in the first year of me being fully clean and stopped taking drugs, I was, I went through like a, I had a lot of psychosis in my using and a lot of paranoid thoughts. And I had this thought that I was being filmed a lot. I always thought cameras were filming me. If there was red lights on, I always always think, well, I know it's filming me anyway. So I just thought I best just think it's filming me. So anyway, I was in that mindset. It's not there anymore so much. But I remember saying to my sponsor at the time about being filmed and electronics used to really make me feel uneasy, phones on and stuff like that. And he said, if it was filming you, what would it see? What do you do? What that you so yeah, like? Yeah. And I thought, nothing. I actually think I'm not doing anything I shouldn't be doing anymore. Mm. I'm not actually doing anything that if you did film me, you'd probably be quite bored. Mm. If you were listening to me and like, you know, like you probably hear a lot about recovery. You probably hear a lot about <laughs> yeah, if you're into that, you best film me. But if you're not, <laughs> yeah, then yeah, you're yeah, wasting yeah. your tape. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But my head was like, I mean, Phil, you know, and I had this self-obsession, like someone's planning cameras on me right and uh that's what he said he said what would they be filming what would you what would you be doing and i'm like not a lot i'll probably be in the gym or i'd be in a yeah. meeting somewhere yeah, like yeah, yeah. If the camera had been following me the last three weeks they'd be absolutely surprised what i do in my job role They'd yeah, be tired. yeah i've been yeah as you know I, i've been traveling a while recently i've been following you around yeah <laughs> you're here and there i'm suffering a lot of anxiety at the Yes. Um, it's hard sometimes to admit that, but I suppose everyone gets anxious, don't they? Mm. But it's been a it's exercise been, helps. And how, how do you bad. how do you work through that? I mean, uh, what do you very been doing very to... poorly? I'll admit it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not, yeah. Not always. No. Not always. I see. Because I work with you, so I see. It's more at home. Yeah. yeah. I struggle with it more. It's like um, as I like to feel there's a point to me. Um, I don't know whether you used to feel like you know like purpose of, of worth. Purpose. And at work, I feel like, yeah. and at home, I feel a bit dejected at times, mm -hmm. a bit lonely. But, you know, that doesn't always feel that way. Mm -hmm. That's common. Yeah. I don't know if that's a human trait or a lot of people who are just like us, but I think that's quite common. Mm 
with the whole anxiety thing, I've had anxiety since I can remember. Since I was, when I was a real little boy, I, I didn't know what it is. As an adult, I know it's anxiety. But I've always found the more I exercise, the better I feel. The more I train, the less anxiety. That's just that just seems to be the the cure with no consequence. And now, are you running? No. You know, Pete no. talks about exercise, and yeah. I know how much you like to run. Are you? Yeah, I did. My first year of recovery, I keep repeating the same thing. I run a lot. Do you, well, you told me you were doing something with running. It was it thousand miles or what was it? I, it was. I did. I did that last year. Okay. I did all right. No, but, no, you did a hundred k in mail, three hundred k in mail. Okay. I think that is an addictive mind. I'll, I'll do it, Pete. Isn't it? I'll do it to the hill. Great for a short period of time. Yeah. And then I'll just do nothing. Yeah. It's one extreme to the to the to the other. No. I, it's like uh, like we speak to our lads in it about don't don't what's that word? Obsess or don't show us, don't tell us, show us. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. Walk the yeah. walk. Yeah, and I'm very yeah. much in the tell you category at the minute. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm more, I'll tell you what I'm gonna do. Uh, so, but I just gotta work my way through it. It's important though because people may look at myself and Pete in the job role that we do. Like you know, you must never feel like that. We bloody do. Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but Can... we don't take drugs. Because yeah. we feel like that, which is quite an mm. important message to get across, isn't it? Yes. We just have to deal with it in different ways now. Yes. I think with the, with the with the yeah, lads yeah. who you know our lads our lads are brilliant. The lads who we who we we work with, our our message to them our message to them is um, to exercise and take your recovery seriously. So we we have to do the same. Mm -hmm. I have to do the same anyway because I know I start to come apart and start to come undone if I don't. So I'm on it. There's been many times where I think I can't be asked to do this today, but I know I want to feel better if I do. Mm. Um, and I went through stages with the exercise of, of being consistent and then nothing. Now uh, I'm just like, I'm, I'm, I maybe exercise too much, but it makes me feel better than if I don't do it at all. So mm. too much for me is, uh, is better. Yeah, uh, I, I think we all seek, when, when we're healthy, I think particularly as as recovering addicts or people that can be addicted, we tend to be a kind of a hard driven personality. So if you go into a into a recovery room, you know, most people's perception would be that you would find people there that are underachievers that, you know, are drug addicts. Yeah, that's true. Or, you know, or, 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 or sort of losers in life. And, and exactly the opposite is true. Mm. I find of people that are that are addicted. You'll find creative, beautiful, vibrant people who have a disease, and and, and driven people. Persistent. We all we all persist. Persistent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, stubborn. Uh, yeah. What, what else would you describe us as a group of people? Controlling. Okay. Yep. Controlling <laughs> tendencies to control our environments. What, what That's do we why say? I describe myself. As... Yeah. What do we say in addiction? If we could just be the director, Resilient. and everybody would do mm. exactly what we say, the world would be fine. Uh, yeah. You meet people when they come into recovery. You see their appearance. You see the way they are. They're a bit scatty. You see them a year later. They are obsessed with perfection. They are on time. They're resilient. Yeah. They don't give up. We met a guy the other day who employs people in recovery. He said they're the best workers they ever had. Yep. You know what I mean? He's employed 60 people who are in recovery. He said they don't have days off. They yep. turn up. They're consistent. They're obsessive, yeah. which can be a bonus sometimes because they keep going and going and going. Know people that are quite, you know, that what's that word? People are there, easy going. I'd love to be, you know, like 
head in the clouds. Things go, yeah. and I just think, oh, I can't. I'm, I can't be like that. Oh, I'm jealous of them people. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. I am. Yeah, I worked with a lad before, and anything that happened to him, he used to go, "Oh well," and then carry on about his day. And I was like, "Oh well," I'd love to be him. And he used <laughs> yeah, to say yeah. it out loud. He used to go, "Oh, that, that's not work. This ain't turned up. The, 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 whatever's gone wrong." And then he used to look at me and just go, "Oh well," and then just go on about his day. I think all these traits we could find in many people in recovery. Not, I mean, they're, they're, there's one of everybody in recovery. So, but, but I think many people in recovery would be this way. And I think one of the things that we look for when we, when we go down the road a ways, when, when we're finding the benefits of a life in recovery without drugs or alcohol, that we do seek balance. And I think that for most of us, that's what we seek. I still seek balance. I still seek balance. I think that's where we're trying to head to, isn't it? I Healthy balance. It. Yeah. Healthy balance. And in my life where I seek it, if I step away from my recovery program, which I did, uh, you guys know, a few years ago, I don't know, four or five, six years ago, I had a heart attack. And when I had a heart attack, I, I just stopped wanting to talk to people. It was, it was it, 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 I, I, just a personal thing with me, and, and I, I had a heart attack. Did it knock your confidence? I didn't want to speak to anybody. Mm. I was just done talking. Yeah. And I stepped away from a long time relationship with my recovery community. And what happened over a couple of years, I started to get those behaviors of feeling unease. Mm. And I just wasn't able to, to think in a way that was solving my problems that was bringing, that was bringing peace to my world. And my world was kind of like, I look at the spinning top. After a while, it just sort of started to wobble a bit. And it was my mind. It was, some people call it untreated addiction, mm. rattling around in my head. But it brought me back. You know, it brought me back to the recovery rooms. And today, um, I don't think I'll ever leave again because what I get when I go and I sit and you say that person walks in the door and I'm reminded of such beautiful honesty that occurs in our community. And I'm reminded and I think, okay. And yet we get to experience ex extreme uh, stories of happiness and joy from people who were hopeless mm. and living under a bridge and, you know, six years later owns a business and, you know, that's common, you know, and you think, so, oh, great. So how long was it, was you in your activities? Was it 35 years? 35 years, yeah. That's a, that long, a long time. Long, yeah. long time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is that your entire life? Pete? I'm 35. Yeah. 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 Some achievement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good old, good old. Yeah. And how long have you not been in that life now? How many well, years? Was it? December 28, 2006. Was, was that? Was that? 16, 17 years. I don't know. It's amazing. It's been a while. And um, every time that I've wanted to use, you ask me, you know, has it ever been strong enough to go back? Yeah. And I would say, Pete, because nah. what I had was just absolute misery mm. and hell. And when I go to meetings t today, gosh, I'm reminded, you know, and I think, oh, I don't want to do that again. Nah. Yeah. I think when we, when these fantasies come in our heads, it doesn't remind us of any of the pain, the misery. It's just a quick thought of, yeah, that'd be fun. Uh, that'd yeah. be good. It, it, it cuts out all the pain, 
crying and, and whatever <laughs> comes with it. I, I had to don't go to that bit. I had to go to the, uh, the, the glorification of it. When we think about all this cool stuff that probably half it never happened anyway. We just, we're selling ourselves this. It's just bullshit, isn't it? This thing. That's what it is. I was told by, by my sponsor, Steve G. Uh, Steve said it's an eight inch journey. An eight inch journey. Recovery is an eight inch journey. And that's the distance between the average human's ear to ear. Mm. Steve said, that's the thickness of your head. And he said, that's, that's the journey of recovery. The drugs and alcohol largely were a symptom. And that's not with everybody. We have a group of people who self-medicate. You could self-medicate for a lot of reasons. So it doesn't work with everybody because some people have physical ailments or, you know, psychologically they're treating a serious malady and they do it with drugs. But um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for me, the drugs and alcohol were a symptom. What's life like now for you? My life in recovery has been rich and wonderful. And when I first started those years ago, they said, you won't imagine how good your life will be if you achieve freedom from drugs and alcohol. And millions of people recover. Mm -hmm. You know, they told me, Kevin, that millions of people recover. There's a program of recovery and there's a community of recovery. And if you're, I was in such a bad way. And they said, no, you know, we can, we can help you. And they did. And they promised me. And I'm a person that doesn't believe when somebody promises me. And I didn't believe it then. I said, oh, you're bullshitting. You're trying to sell me something. Mm. No, we promise you, Kevin. And they were right. Yeah, they weren't trying to sell you something. They were trying to give you something. It's they truth, isn't it? Yeah, they're just trying to give you something. Yeah, they're just trying to give you something. Yeah, yeah. I thought that though. I thought, what are they, what do these people want? Here? What are they selling me? I said, you're you can't be can't be true. You can't. Yeah. I'd never had somebody try to give me something out of love to say, look what we have and look at how we got it. And we just make suggestions. One of the things about this process is nobody's gonna tell you what to do. Mm. We're just gonna make suggestions. We're going to say, hey, if you want what we have, this is what we did. There isn't anybody going to say, you need to do this and this and this and this. It's, hey, Kev, we suggest you stop digging. You're in a deep hole. Yeah. Once you stop digging, then we're going to suggest you do these four things. 90 meetings in 90 days. Get a sponsor. Get a uh, uh, service. service. Yep. And number four. Step work. Step work. Step work. All of those things I still do and have. Have every one of those things today. Yes, I don't man. currently have step, uh, I don't currently have a service. I completed it about six months ago. I was the home group representative the last time. So yeah. Yeah, that was a, yeah, yeah, yeah. And when I have a problem in my life today, both you guys know I just go to the I just go to the book of recovery. And, and I look at, at the step that most fits my issue. Now, I'm not very intellectually deep, and my brain's kind of like a box of rocks. So I just go back to the program of recovery, and I'll just open it up and say, well, okay, here you go, kind of, kind of, here's where I'm at. And, and, and go to a meeting and, and ask for help. I'm at unease about this. And seek your advice or your advice and say, hey, you know, I'm having a problem here. And that's how it works today. So I think we're, we're approaching the end of the podcast now, aren't we? 
and Kevin, you've been an absolute brilliant guest. Thoroughly enjoyed that. So it's your time now to think of a question that we're going to leave for our next guest, who's going to come on next week. And that'll be the first thing they answer. Mm. I thought about this when you gave me that question, and it would always be this. In recovery, when we're asked to share, there's a method, and that is to share your experience, your strength, and your hope. Mm. So anytime we're asked to speak in a meeting or to, to describe what's going on with us, that would be the guide. And so I would ask the next person that sits here one word that describes each of those, their experience, one word, their strength, one word, and their hope, one word. Brilliant question, that is. That's it. You're going to remember that, Pete? Yeah. I'll remember that question. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, it's been very special for me today. Thank you. How have you found it? Uh, it's wonderful. And, you know, I, I would say to, to all those people that those people that might listen to this, that in recovery, when we're asked if we can help, the answer, if we can, and it's okay for us, is always yes. Mm. And that's a suggestion. And so with that, you know, I'd say, yeah, if you, if you ask me, uh, I'm always going to say yes, because that was the, the suggestion given to me. And I thank you both, because this has been a special thing for me. Those two, yeah. Well, me. Uh, I can speak for myself. Yeah, it's been really nice. Thanks. Thank you, Kev. And um, as always, if you've listened to this and you can relate to anything Kev said or you're experiencing any addiction issues, um, then never hesitate in getting in contact with us at the Dynamo Project. Um, we're available on all social media platforms. Um, and yes, yeah, so never hesitate to get in touch. Pete, are you happy? Yeah, all good, yeah. Okay, and as always, you're not alone. There's people out there that have been where you are, and there's people out there who are now in recovery. And Kev, you were a perfect example of someone lost to the world of active addiction who's now sitting here today. We couldn't do the mask, could we? X amount it's a of years, so really, but it's peace, a lot. Peace and love, yeah. You know, absolutely. It's a very powerful message, and I want to thank you personally for coming on. Thanks, I really man. enjoyed it. And uh, we look forward to the next episode and uh, we'll see you all guys later.